Good morning. Welcome back to another episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast. I am your host, Danger, and joining me is my uh, compatriot in composure. I'm I, I'm not sold on Breakdown, bro. So, uh, but my Breakdown, bro, <laughs> um, Monster, say hi, Monster. Well, whatever that attempt was was somehow more cringe-inducing than Breakdown, bro. So I don't, I'm, I can't help you. <laughs> I aim to make an impact. Okay, I that, just, that's you're doing that for yes, sure. Yes. So. On this episode of Breakdowns for Breakfast, we're going to be talking about Polish Club's release, Iguana. What was your opinion of this album? Had you had any familiarity before? Never heard of this band before. And when I first started it, I got real excited. When when it first started, and we'll get into the song by song as always, but I was having a really good time. And my time got less good the longer I listened. <laughs> okay, so I will um, say up front that I'm uh, going to agree with you. This is a very strong front half record. Yeah, and that's not to say there's not some stuff I, I don't want to talk about in the back half. But when it started, the first couple of songs, I was pretty into it. Yes. Uh, I still have some complaints that I'll get to. But overall, I was having a pretty good time. I started to have less fun as the record continued because to me, this is really two kinds of music that they're trying to push together. You've got like sleazy New York dance club music mixed with garage rock Kings of Leon kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm not a fan of that. I like the sleazy dance stuff. I was getting kind of a head automatica vibe. From some of the stuff. And I like that. But when they get into that more kind of heartfelt rock and roll kind of thing, I it starts to lose me. So I was kind of torn while listening to this. Yeah, I understand that. I really felt like they did a lot as far as experimenting with with the sense and really like an 80s rock mixed with like an 80s, 90s R&B kind of deal. Like a... Um, I don't want to say 80s rock. It felt like it was a lot of like 80s garage band, but like not the uh, like hair metal brand. Of no, there was a little bit of that. Um, I guess it was the early 2000s where you had the resurgence of bands like the White Stripes and the Hives yep. and the Mines. There's a little bit of that in there for sure. And, and I agree, there's some like synth pop kind of stuff. And and definitely hear a little bit of that 90s R&B. There's a song later that I'll, I'll bring up that has a very funny sounds like that every time I hear it. I, I think we're both going to agree on what that is because yeah. <laughs> there's one that jumped out to me as well. And we will talk about that for sure. But awesome. I kind of felt like his and I and I say this in a couple of places, but I kind of felt like his voice. You know, you can't argue the guy can sing. The, the guy can can get big, but his voice kind of rides the line of like a, I don't know, 90s, like post grunge, but then also channels like blues singers at times. And there's a couple of times where he just there, there's one song where he just straight up sounds like Lenny Kravitz on it. And I'll mention that. But he's he's definitely got a lot of control over his voice, but it sounds like it's almost about to be out of control. Yes. Okay. So I actually, I'm glad you said all that because the thing that I struggle with the absolute most on this record is his vocals. Because when I hear 
that more kind of poppy dancey music my vo- my brain immediately goes to stuff like harry styles jonas brothers one direction like i hear a high pitched kind of vocal clean and high pitched and that's what i was kind of expecting he does not have that kind of voice no. it's much lower much gruffer and to your point he a lot of times will do these like vocal gymnastics yes woes <laughs> that like sounds super weird with his uh, tone so i struggled with that a lot and and hey always i bring it back to 311 i'm even wearing a 311 halloween shirt today i'm wearing Um, a bigfoot shirt so you know i believe i think that a lot of people say the same thing about 311 they don't think the guys nick and essay have a good enough voice to constantly doing all these like ooh na na na's like kind of things mixed in the music I golly, I struggled with that here. Like every time, like the music, there's a break where it's just music. Almost every single time he's in the background with a somewhere. And I'm like, don't do it. Just stop it. (laughs) So I do feel like he does a bit, a bit too much, but I do. I, I love his voice. I do think he's got a great voice. And I think that, you know, where it sounds like he's about to lose control. I feel like that that is where he does a little bit much. Now, I feel like the songs that are good on this album are recorded with such force and furiosity because, <laughs> I mean, you can almost feel the breath off of him that he, he sings so hard sometimes. And I appreciate that. But I think that this is a trend that we're going to see because this was a big turning point for them. If you want to go back and listen to uh, albums before this, this album doesn't sound like that. And their, their stuff following this kind of follows that line. And they are, in my opinion, I've seen, uh, I've seen you know, clips and stuff. They're a fantastic live band. I actually sent you the little video I found, like where I first found them. is their song Clarity that's on here. And they're a fantastic live band. And do you want to guess where they're from? Uh, well... I looked. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's another Australian band to bring it to the table. And yeah. I think that we're going to see trends like this come out of other countries and hear in other countries' music more than we are going to hear in American music. Yeah, and, and I made a post, and I think I brought this up before on Facebook uh, not that long ago, about how most of the new bands that I've been enjoying are not American. Sleep Token, Don Brocco, Hot Milk, Sim, all these guys are from the UK or Japan or, you know, and I feel like there's a lot of exciting stuff happening in those areas because they're not as confined to genre rules. They can get a little bit more abstract and mix and play with styles. And I'm not saying it all works for me on this record, but you can tell Polish Club is pulling from a lot of things. There's 60s rock, there's 80s synth, there's 90s R&B. Like, it's all in there to varying degrees of success. What I will say is I think that both of these guys are talented enough musicians. Yes, both, because it is only two guys. Yeah, it's only two guys. And obviously, you know, there's a lot of stuff going on on the record that, you know, two guys can't pull off by themselves. So I'm sure there's lots of layers, lots of tracks, probably a couple guest musicians. But I think that both of these guys are pretty talented musicians, but they're not super technical. They're not very flashy. And I think that 
that's one of the reasons he tries to do a little too much with his vocals is because they're not throwing any like crazy guitar solos. The drum fills are kind of basic. So they write these really catchy, cool songs with some hooks and good grooves and the flares and the flourishes come from the vocals. And I think it would have been smarter just to keep it a little bit more stripped down, a little less going on in some, in some places. So something I make note of, and we'll talk about as we go through it. I don't know if you picked up on the little sound bits at the end and sometimes at the beginning of songs. So those were actually just from, I think it was the drummer's phone, like just sounds he recorded. And that is my biggest complaint about this album is there's one place where the sound actually carries into the next song and it does work, but the next song is strong enough to not need that. And I, I don't think that it, you know, talking about how they put too much in, I think they put too much in as far as, you know, needing to feel like they needed to fill every space. And I think the, I think the little sound clips were a little too much. And and to, to go along with that and I'll bring it up when we get to the song, there's one in particular where the song fades out and you hear like this other song start. And then when the actual next song starts, it sounds nothing like the little sound clip in between the two. I would have rather heard that song, like the beat (laughs) and the groove that was starting sounded way more my speed than the song that actually kicks in. <laughs> okay. And I may have missed that. I, I think I kind of had trouble with actually it's not. an I think I did have trouble with where those little bits were added at the end of each song. And it's almost like when I heard those sounds come up, I just hit next and just, right, just went. go ahead. And get to the next song. Yeah, yeah. Cause I don't need to hear all of that. It's just not needed. So let's jump in to the Australian Polish club iguana track listing. So <laughs> smooth segue. Yes. Yeah, smooth as butter. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, and by the way, so I did want to mention the uh, not needing to be super flashy because they're not super technical guys. Have you ever seen these guys live a clip of them live aside from what I sent to you? No, I think all the flashiness goes to what the lead singer wears on stage because it yes. looks like he shopped at uh, like a thrift store 10 years ago and bought clothes from 20 years before that. Okay. So something I'll point out about not just this band, but a lot of these bands in general, to me, the, and maybe it's just from playing in so many bands over the years, marketing is incredibly important to get oh, yeah. your brand out. there. Yeah. And I think that when you look at the album cover, and when you look at these guys, this is a good video, album cover, by the way, we, we've mentioned album covers in the past. This is a good album cover. It's very simple. It's, it's just, well, it's just like green with the two of them laying on top of it. Well, they're like, um, like, like one's right way and the other one's not. But like if you it. look at their clothes, like you just said, you know, they kind of have like leather jackets and animal prints and stuff like that. And I think that if you have that visual in your head, the music feels like it's more one thing than it is the other. Like if they were wearing ripped jeans and white t-shirts, you would go, Oh, this is more garage rock. But because they have the flashy like leather and stuff, it's like, Oh, this is more dancey pop rock. And so 
I think that's how you sort of market yourself one way or the other when your music is more eclectic. Yeah, which I mean, we've talked about in the past and and I don't think we've talked about it on here, but I know we're going to in the future. But we've talked about how a music video can change the opinion of a song. And, yeah. you know, I can think of about three music videos that ended up making me like a song that I didn't really like in the beginning because I have that image yeah. in my head. So marketing is is super important for sure. So, all right. Track one, we don't care. It's a great opener, in my opinion. It comes in big, big fuzz. You know, which I I can't think of, but there's like one song that doesn't have a distortion of some kind of grandeur on it, if you will. And yeah, and. And it does. It's not that like typical rock metal distortion that you hear. It's no. that fuzzy, like over saturated fuzz. That's yeah. very old school. Yeah, I like that though. I, Me I, too. Yeah, it when and it's used though, properly, it's good. And here's a good example because they over fuzz that guitar, but it's still you can hear the notes very clear. They mix it very well, and it's a it's a solid riff. It's it's a yeah. cool little riff. It's a good way, like you said, to this big, bright kick to start the album. I thought that yeah. was cool. And then the first track, I mean, we know going into it, you know, after this first song that his voice is going to be a main point of this album because that right. chorus is just so big and so lifted and grandiose. And I could not get enough of this first song off of this. Okay. So when his voice, so my very first time listening to the song, I remember I was in my kitchen. uh, Everybody had gone to bed. I was, you know, washing dishes, feeding the cats, kind of doing like the nightly routine. And I put this on and I remember the song kicked in. I was like, okay, all right. When you sent it to me originally, I saw two dudes wearing preppy clothes and I immediately went to, oh boy, sad boy emo. And I was like, no, this isn't that. I'm excited. No, no it's not sad boy emo. So I was kind of like digging the riff and stuff. And then his voice kicked in and I was like, hmm, I don't know. Maybe, maybe not. And then the chorus happened and I was like, ooh, I'm, I'm thinking not. I'm thinking no, sir. Uh, it, his voice wasn't enough to pull me out of it. But it was not what I was expecting, and it did hurt me the first time I listened to it. As far as being able to really get into it, Is like it I had you to, weren't expecting it. More so that than that it was bad. I don't think I agree with you that I don't think he's a bad singer. I think he tries to do a little bit more than he really should. Um, but he's not bad. But no, I was not expecting. I think. That opening riff gave me a little bit of like new era incubus to it. Okay. And so I was expecting a much cleaner voice. And so when he kicked in with that, like I said, Kings of Leon kind of rock and roll rasp, I was kind of thrown off a little bit. So was this song or him in general, 
kind of like trying sparkling water for the first time. Like you don't expect it to be so crispy, but then you try it again. You're like, okay, I know what to expect this time. Well, it's like I would close, but I would think more like McDonald's Sprite. Okay, like fair. you know what you know what Sprite tastes like. You've seen the can. You know what it looks like. You're ready for it, but you're never really ready for it because you take that first sip and it kind of like spicy. That's spicy. Yeah. Um. It's kind of like kind of what happens when you whenever I open a cheer wine, I have to let it breathe for a minute to kind of give it that that chance to to calm down a little bit because it's about to hurt. If anybody uh, is listening outside of North or South Carolina, Cheerwine is a delicious cherry soda that you should all be jealous you don't have. Cherry, er, it, Cheerwine is the cherry nectar of the gods, but um, <laughs> it's actually in other parts of the country now. It has it, is, yeah. it has moved its way around. I was told that uh, in upstate New York, it's not seen as a drink that um, people of class drink at all. Well, it was it was birthed in the South. So what are you going to do? That's true. All right. Let's talk track two, Iguana. The title track from the album. Your opinion on Iguana. I love this song. It's a damn this- good song. <laughs> It kicks like a boot to the chest. It is so simple. It's so driving. And okay. So first song, big riff. I'm kind of into it. His vocals are kind of throwing me off. The it second was enough song to kicked, introduce you to what's happening. Right. Which is what the but first song should do. Sure. Yeah. And, and like we said on all these other episodes, the first song, it should encapsulate a majority of what you're going to do for the rest of the record. And it does. Yep. But when the second song kicks in, it has this like kick Tom beat that's real simple. And this real driving just do 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 kind of rhythm to the the guitar and bass. And when he starts singing, it's a lot more pulled back than how he was singing on the first song. So I'm like, okay. Okay, I'm feeling this. I'm I'm way more into this. Uh, I got this like vibe of like driving around like a seedy downtown, like in the middle of the afternoon, like down alleyways and stuff. Like this to me is just a really cool garage rock song for sure. But it still has a little bit of a dancey rhythm to it. Like I was, yeah. This one, this one works for me. Just about everything on this song works. All right, so as far as that bass line and that, that floor tom, and I was yeah. all in from the very beginning. It's just like this song just kind of like just really quickly had an intro and then went right into it and yeah. just gave us the kind of song that Queens of the Stone Age wish they could write. I heard a lot of Queens of the Stone Age in there. Yeah, yes. for sure. You know, it's just a, it's a steady bass. It's a great riff. It's just, yeah. Uh, you know, I don't. I like gone. the verses better than the chorus. The chorus feels a little safe to me. Like I feel like they should have either went leaned harder into the the grimy garage rock or brighter into a poppy chorus, and they kind of just stay in the middle. It's not bad. But 
I also love that chord progression between like 203 and 237. Yeah. It's simple, but it is kind of like weird and throws in a couple of minors, like the, the fifth chord that you're not expecting. Was that um, where the bridge slowed down? Because the song, you know, was big. I didn't take times on, on, I don't yeah. think any of these. So it's, it's kind of the section where the singer stops singing for a minute, which made me happy. Yeah. <laughs> It's, uh, but, but I really like that. Another thing that I'll commend these guys on is a lot of times I'll listen to a song where I'm like, I love the intro. I love the chorus. And then the last couple seconds of the song, they'll play the verse. Whereas these guys, like the first song, I love that opening riff. They ended the song with the opening riff. I love the verses of Iguana track two. They end the song with the verse. And it's like, Thank you. You guys recognize the best parts of your song too. And I appreciate that. No, I definitely think that they know when they've got something and they know when something could be better. And there's actually a couple tracks on here that I think are still good songs, but I don't think they're good songs for this album. But I think they also write a lot of songs to be performed better live. And yeah, and hear that. You know, I feel like this would be a hell of a song to see live. I also I would think, imagine, sorry, go I was on. Just gonna, I was just going to say, I would imagine live, they probably jam a yeah. little bit more. Like yeah, they're probably. probably not like playing to a click and making sure they play exactly the right, you know, a three minute song is probably four and a half, five minutes live where they kind of dick around a little bit and have fun with it. Well, I feel like on this one, cause I mean the, the intro that I was talking about, the, the, uh, the short intro, it's that like kind of soft drumming against the hospital beeping. And yeah. I feel like that hospital beeping probably lasts a little bit longer live. The drumming comes in. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like this might be an opener live, which would make sense to me. But yeah, it would work. But the the song ends with that that sound. Is this what you were talking about in the beginning? Okay. Yes. So the little musical interlude after this song fades out sounds like they're like the vibe that I got was they're standing outside of a nightclub and you can hear the music in the nightclub as they're trying to get in. It has a very dancey beat. And then. It, it doesn't go, it doesn't roll into the next song. The next song starts with a completely different rhythm and tone. It's completely, it's not the same song at all. Yeah. So I felt like upon the first time I listened to it, that like just as it was playing and I wasn't really paying attention to the first time I listened through to it, I was like, wait, that kind of led into the, the, the next song. And they listen to it with their headphones. I'm like, no, nah, I really didn't. No, it didn't. <laughs> no. And then it was like, after that, I just started to hear the sounds and I just skipped it. And yep. the third song being track three, and I got to pronounce this properly. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> there is an exclamation point. Don't forget it. There is. Ooh, ooh, ooh. You should know if I wasn't so 
it's a strong enough song on its own to not need something to lead into it because this is this this was a damn good song you know that chorus i don't know if you like every once in a while a part of a song or a song comes along and this this song had the chorus that was just hard not to feel like i wanted to kind of move to it So we're still in that kind of poppy, dancey, sleazy nightclub kind of sound. And I'm, I dig that. This is the song where I realized his vocals are going to be a struggle for me. Um, I love his ha- vocals on this song. I don't hate it. I can't put my finger on it exactly. It just sounds a little off. Like the music has this like big 80s pop rock thing. But then his vocals have that. Kings of Leon thing again. I kept going back to Kings of Leon, and I gotta tell you, I really don't like Kings of Leon. So I didn't get Kings voice- of Leon, especially here. Here, I got more of the like late seventies blues, like but like not like the big blue stuff. Like the guy that never really got anywhere that showed up to uh, gigs to open or like would play it just some random thing and you'd go holy shit that guy can sing while i don't disagree with you i don't know that it matches the vibe of the song and i'm going I think to that's disagree 100 percent because i okay. thought this i thought this one was a banger i'm actually all in on this one okay. i felt like his voice just kind of grooved right along to just the big rhythm and the let's be honest, the absolute like no nonsense riffs, they like those riffs came to do business <laughs> and it, it just yeah. it, it worked for me. I like this one. I, I don't I don't hate it. I do like this song uh, a bit and um, kind of something to piggyback off of what I said at the top. Then there's this whole like na 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 at the end. And I'm like. I don't like it. I don't feel like that uh, was his, needed. It's it's again, I've that's one of those moments where I think he's like, dude, I am killing it over here with my vocals. I gotta give him some more. And I'm like, nah, bro, I'm good. <laughs> you gave I, me enough. <laughs> I feel like that should have been a live move. Like strictly live, don't put yeah. on the record. I, I'm not I don't think it added a lot, but I don't think it I don't think it took away anything, but it didn't add anything either. It was a yeah. completely unneeded thing, in my opinion. So, yeah. So, I mean, I didn't hate this song. I'm still I'm still grooving. Like, so first three songs, I'm still kind of into it. And even track four, Clarity. Whatever is up, might as well be We kind of we get a little bit more chill. I think his vocals come in a little hot for as chill as the music kind of starts. Yep. Um, but he, but again, that's that's what he does. That's you're either with him or or not. And, you know, again, don't love it, but it doesn't ruin it for me. It's just it's not the vocal delivery I would have preferred, but it's fine. So this was the song that I found them on and mm-hmm. I had to 
kind of take a step back when I heard the album version of this song because the live version I heard was so damn good. It just was so good. It was fun. And then I started to kind of think about that within this. And that's where I realized that this is a live band that made a good album. And this song, it's a really good song, just compelling and dynamic riff all the way through. Just damn good riff. Like it's either a song will be a really good riff or really good drums. And on this one, I actually think there's both. I think the, the drumming ability uh, here is just shown to its fullest. Uh, his name's John Henry Pajak, P-A-J-A-K. I don't know. Pajak, Pajak. I don't know. Anyway, I prefer the live version of this song, mm-hmm. but I still really enjoy this song here. I do like the music that like after the verse, kind of the chorus, I guess he, he the chorus is basically just him saying clarity, I guess. But that little music interlude that's kind of happening right there. I like that a lot. Um, But danger. I got to ask you, man, this is a song where I also noticed something else. What'd you notice? There is a lot of tambourine on this album. And I know you don't, you don't typically go in for that kind of nonsense. Normally I don't. And there is some tambourine. And that's one of the reasons why that's one of the things I'm going to say. They're a live band because live, there's no tambourine live. It's hard to really capture the joy of a tambourine. And Um, you kind of look like a moron on stage. If you're just getting too much of that tambourine, just one solo guy on stage, just dancing across the stage, just whacking a tambourine. like when I go see 311 live, there's a couple songs with some tambo and uh, S.A. Martinez, one of the vocalists, does it. But he's he's singing into a microphone while shaking a tambourine yep. over here. Like right. you can't I, I don't hear you. <laughs> Your tambourine adds nothing. Uh, you can't like a tambourine. <laughs> so I felt like here the tambourine here is when, you know, you put a tambourine on the hi-hat on a drum set. I don't feel like it was a tambourine that was played separate and it's really hard for one guy who's playing drums and one guy who's playing guitar to have a tambourine going the whole time. You know, that's what I mean. Like as a musician listening to this, like there are tracks and tracks and tracks and tracks like there's live even. I don't, I don't remember the video you sent me. Is it just the two of them or do they have a couple other musicians on stage with them? I want to say it's, I know the two of them are there. I want to say there's maybe like one other guy that's kind of in the dark. Yeah. I'm sure there's some, you know, playing to tracks and stuff going on. Cause there is a lot of stuff going on in these songs yep. that again, live there's, like I said, at the top of the episode, I would have liked some of these songs if they were a little bit stripped down. So live, I probably would also like this a little bit better. And I would like to see them live, but I don't know yeah. that they ever, make it over here to the U S from Australia. Yeah, they might one day. Yeah. They may. You never know. They may. It can't be too much to buy two plane tickets instead of a band from Australia where you're buying four or five, six plane tickets. True. That's you know, true. Unless you get on a shipping container boat and head on over. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know a lot. That's about one way lo- to travel. A lot of, I don't know about a lot of the logistics getting here from Australia. So <laughs> yeah. From Once that. you're in America, you know, the logistics very well. I do. I do, but coming from the prison colony continent, I, I, I don't. So fair enough. All right, let's talk track five. Break apart. So don't you spy, but the keys are 
this is one of the less noteworthy songs on this album. It does show that they can do a lighter change of pace on things. It does give a decent lighter sound that doesn't quite bludgeon you like the first four songs just did. But this is a pop song and this isn't their wheelhouse. I feel like this was a filler song and you're giving me filler at track five. I'm not okay with that. Uh, Let me read from my notes here. I wrote down. No, um, not feeling it. So, okay, here's the truth. I think the first four songs, I didn't love every minute of every one of them, but I liked a lot of it. And I got a sense of who these guys were. This song sounds like any other band. It sounds a little bit like Neighborhood. It sounds a little bit like Neon Trees. It sounds like everybody else. Right. If I if this was the first song I heard by him, I would have no idea who these guys were, what they were trying to do. It is generic. It's derivative. And yeah, just nope. Nope. It's a not, generic. Not it. It's a generic rock pop song or pop rock song. I don't know. Pick and your, not a which one and not a um overly catchy one either. No. Like it, it, if it had a nice big pop hook, it could almost be forgiven, but. That's something else I'll say about these guys. I don't think they're bad songwriters, but they don't have big, memorable hooks very right. often. Yeah, They've got catchy, groovy songs that you're like into, but they don't necessarily stick with you very well. Yeah. Um, I don't think that they stick with you. I feel like they'll have a few parts of a few songs that yeah. will kind of stick in your head. You know, like I can say the, you know, the way he repeats clarity has gotten stuck in my head, but yeah, there's not a lot to, to that happening, especially this song. Yeah. Now I don't think that this song is reflective of them. I feel like Mm. this was where they, they wrote a song they felt okay about, they felt good enough about it to put it on the album. And I don't feel like this was even their, they, I don't feel like they even felt like this was their strongest move because we do get a lighter slow down song on the here. And yeah. I don't feel like this one was needed. I mean, this is a 12, uh, 12 track album. Give me an 11 track. Drop this one. I think we've talked about this on other episodes. Some bands go into the studio and write record and they end up with 20, 25 songs. And, and come out they, with 10 to 12 or whatever. Right. This sounds more like to me, these were the 12 songs they had. I don't get the impression that there's three or four more songs sitting on the cutting room floor. Maybe, maybe, but I just get the impression that like, these are the songs we wrote for the album. These are the ones we're going to record. And this, yeah, this one's just weak compared to a lot of the other stuff. Yeah, and this is not one that I feel that he is singing with even the same force because I felt no. like those first four songs, he was forcing it out. He was pushing it out. Like, I would be surprised if he's able to talk after a lot of these shows because he's strained his voice so much. But in a weird sort of way, that kind of, kind of almost liked his voice a little better on that one, you know, because he wasn't forcing it so hard, <laughs> but it's just not the same as before. And, and it's know. not a good song. So that yeah. like, you know, so it's like, so what if you're 
if I like your vocals a little bit better, I don't want to hear this song again. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair. So I don't want to talk about that one anymore. <laughs> so, Good. Let's talk about track six, Sun. a lot to say about this one okay i'm very curious as to as to what you have to say so let me run through the bit that i have so this is the one where i feel like he sounds like lenny kravitz especially in the chorus but i don't like the chorus as much as the verses on this song and the bass is just awesome in the in the verses here this one does stay in that pop territory but not quite as much because again those business riffs are back. So when this song started, okay. I got excited because it has a little bit of that drum and bass. Not exactly. It doesn't sound like a guana, but it had the same vibe as that. And I'm like, okay, okay. I like, I'm, I'm ready. And then he, the vocalist comes in and screeches at the top of his register. Yeah. Who the F do you think you are? Who the fuck do you think you are? Yeah. And it, it, it's jarring and it's cringy and I hate it. <laughs> now, as the song progresses, his vocals kind of do what his vocals do and I can kind of tolerate it. But when he first comes swooping in there at the front of this song, every time, like... I'll be listening to it's it in my headphones move. doing something. And it just, it's like a kick to the nuts. Like I just, it makes me grossed out. I hate it. I just hate it. Once, like I said, once the song starts, I can deal with his vocals. The music on this one's pretty fun, but ugh, that was, he made a choice. Yes, that's for sure. He made a choice that you, it, you can't ignore by any means. And you know, if that's what he wanted to do, that's fine. But this is one that it's definitely not my favorite on the album. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like, you know, we have talked about how using uh, words of all flavors and music doesn't bother us in the least. But when you come in with such a, you know, you're coming in hot and bold and it's like, okay, now you've set the bar for the surprise factor of what's about to happen you're just going to give us an entire song of trying to regulate that. And, and again, like I said, it starts with a similar vibe to Iguana. And if you remember Iguana, it was a pretty, you know, straightforward kind of drum beat, yep. simple kind of do, 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 do kind of rhythm. And then he comes in and sings like a normal person. But on this one, he comes in like Joe Cocker on his worst day. And it's just, Oh, like, I just, I can't, I just can't deal with it. <laughs> Speaking of Joe Cocker, and I'm going to sidestep for just for a second. <laughs> so are we, are we getting ready to go into our new segment Cocker corner? That's your segment. That's, that, that's just <laughs> you by yourself. Anyway. So my, one of my favorite Joe Cocker things, and I, I love Joe Cocker. I think that I think he was great, but if you ever get a chance to, please watch it. Please Google it, whatever. But Joe Cocker on SNL, John Belushi followed him around for an entire day just to get his mannerisms down. And then he went and bought a white suit just like the one he was going to wear that night on uh, on when, when he played live. 
bought a shirt really similar to his. And then Joe Cocker let him stand next to him the entire performance, imitating Joe Cocker, and never once acknowledged that he was even there. It was great. I highly recommend looking it up. So <laughs> I will. That's, that's great. So after that, uh, Joe Cocker sidestep. Um, Cocker Corner. What the hell? Anyway. <laughs> that's a good ring to it. Yeah. Uh, alliteration is fun. So let's talk track seven, Time Crisis. So what you said about track five, Break Apart, being kind of a filler track, this to me also feels very filler. It doesn't do anything wrong. It's just kind of there. Like, it fits the vibe. But but again, it's just not very catchy. It doesn't... I, I can't, I'm having trouble even remembering what it sounds like right this second. The only part that I really like was there's this like little bass solo musical breakdown around like 214 or so. But then he comes in with his vocals on top of it and it kind of makes it wonky for me. So this is another one that I could have take it or leave it. See, this is one that I actually like, and I don't okay. feel like this was a filler at all. I feel like this was written exactly the way they heard it in their head because it almost has like a surf rock upstroke on the guitar so it's uh, he's changing how he's playing guitar and yet the bass isn't really big on this one you know it's it's kind yeah. of subdued in the background so it's just a lot of a new guitar technique that he's wanting to do and so i felt like it was a very intentional move the drums are good here they're not a standout thing but it mm -hmm. feels like it could just fall apart any moment but it's held together for the entire song and I think part of where it feels like it come, it could fall apart is his vocals. I feel like his vocals just are barely hanging on on this one. But I feel like this mm -hmm. is a very intentional move for them. I, I don't know. Uh, and we've talked about this before as far as track placement. You know, you get to a song that you, you really, really love and you, you wonder if it's because you really didn't like the track before it or something or vice versa. And, uh, you know, I guess maybe for me, track five, track six, track seven, this whole section sort of starts to fall apart for me. And even into the next song a little bit, but we'll get there. So for me, this one just, it, it doesn't do anything wrong, but it sounds like a lesser version of songs we've already heard, I guess. So, so for me, I, I, I'm taking or leave it on this one. I, I don't feel like this is a filler, but this isn't a standout on the track on this on the album. Yeah, I don't think fair. it was a I feel like it was an intentional move. And I feel like it's written in a very specific way. But I wouldn't call this one a filler track. I would just call this okay. a, a an experiment that didn't quite go the way that they wanted. <laughs> yeah, I just I don't know. Like it it just I really I, I can't say anything other than it's just it just sounds like it's there. Okay. And I mean, I, I guess I can understand that. But here's the thing. There's a lot of middle of the record tracks that mean a lot to certain people that don't necessarily stand out to others. Something yeah. in the, the lyrics, something in the rhythm, you know, so maybe that, not, that's for this for somebody. It's not for me, but I just right. 
I like this better you than some other ones it. I don't like. Yeah, you appreciate it more than I do, which is, you know, that's cool. So you mentioned it just a little bit, but let's talk track eight, as low as it goes. This is Which is the yeah. slowdown the, of this album. I do feel like it's a well placed. I feel like it might be a little bit late. I feel like it may have could have moved up to six or seven, not being track eight, but it's the slowdown. Mm-hmm. And your face was cringing hard when I said the name of the song. Well, first of all, it's because you said it wrong. It's as low as it gets, not as low as it goes. Um, uh, no, it's as low as it goes. According is it? To- on Spotify, ah, on Spotify it's as low as it goes. According to Wikipedia, it's as low as it goes. So you're right. You, you said it wrong. Right. So what I'm going to yeah. do is I'm going to adjust my final score a fraction of a point uh, because you won that round. Okay. okay. So <laughs> uh, okay. So this one starts interesting to me because the acoustic guitar strumming gives me a country western vibe. Yes, I got the same. lead line on top of it gives me almost like a a sexy Prince kind of vibe. And then he starts singing and it's just they're all confused. Take one last gag cigarette. Like it doesn't sound cohesive to me. I, I and I agree. I felt like for tracks five, six, and seven, we had already not slowed down, but we had already kind of brought it down a little bit. So I was hoping we were going to pick it up, not slow it down even more. Yeah. As a whole, I actually kind of like his vocals a lot better on this song. Yeah. Um, I like this one. In, so up until he starts doing this whole like Chris Stapleton, whoa, whoa, whoa thing near the end that I can kind of not need it. Yeah. yeah, he's he's not like I get that a lot of people probably think he's an incredible vocalist and I do think he's talented, but I think he's trying to go a little bit above his pay grade. Well, the population's and, smaller and and um yeah, maybe he is the Australia. Chris Stapleton of Australia. Who knows? Yeah, I, I, know. I, I mean, maybe that's incredible. But by the end of the song, I'm kind of just over it. Like, I don't hate it. I like it better than than the last couple songs. But I'm starting to get tired now. Like, we we just had three or four songs in a row that I'm like, when when are we going to get back into the fun stuff? You know? Yeah. So I will say that this one, by the end of it, I'm kind of I'm kind of checked out. About the first two thirds of it, I'm all there for, and I really like how it's got a drum machine in, mm. like in the verses, but then the chorus, like they changed to kind of acoustic drums, like to actual mm-hmm. drum set, and I thought that was a nice, a nice change. So as far as his vocals go, paired with the uh, the guitar, they don't work entirely together, mm-hmm. but they still work. You know, we've talked about in the past having, you know two different things happening that end up working together. And this is, this is what I feel like is what he would sound like if he was 
writing a cowboy song. Yeah. And, and this is the song where I really noticed the thing I mentioned at the beginning about them not being super technical musicians because that little bridge. Yeah. That little bridge in the middle there would have been a perfect place for a tasty guitar solo. And instead they don't have that in their repertoire. So they go to big chords and whoa on top of it. And that's like, doesn't work for me. I, I, Hey, you, you can't play anything super bendy and technical. That's fine. Just you've, obviously got some licks just put a little line in there just a couple notes that just play the same notes that you're singing in the verse just something other than what you did there not every solo has to be a standout big you know and i've mentioned that i've mentioned that before on this show my i'm not that good of a guitar player i can't do a lot of that stuff most of my solos on my records are very single note lyrical like get stuck in your head kind of things that would have fit so good here I just I, I agree with you though. I think the verses and the chorus are pretty good. Like I I don't mind this song. And honestly, I think if we would have cleaned up that middle section there between five, six, and seven, maybe move one of those or put this one up a little sooner. Like I would probably be better with it. it it's just like you said, that last third of the song just kind of meanders and goes on too long. Yeah, it's not needed. No. Yeah. So all right. Let's talk track nine. Let's pretend. Much better. And I Much feel like, better. yeah, I, I felt like you were going to have a, uh, a good amount to say about this one. I feel like we picked the energy back up. Yes. But we picked up a different energy. It okay, so this song feels it has the same level of energy as the first two or three songs, right? But you're right, it has a little different vibe to it. This is where I've got the sounds like it's got a very Belle Biv DeVoe. Bobby Brown. Yes. It's got that Michael Jackson dangerous vibe. It's got that feel to it that uh, what I found was actually called New Jack, New Swing. Jack Swing. Yeah. Yep. It sounds like a grunge band for doing that music. And New Jack Swing is a very kind of short lived 90s R&B style that kind of borrowed from hip hop a little bit more than straight R&B and his vocal delivery fits very much like you said Bell Bib DeVoe poison kind of yep. delivery um I heard that big time on this song it it's it's very much like a boys to men song written by a rock band like yeah it's cool I like this one a lot this is another one of probably my top 3 or 4 songs on the album and it absolutely should not work but it does and it works oh, it really well no i i like that they followed up such a slow you know downer i don't want to say downer of a song like it's a sad song but like a you know definite yeah. drop in the energy and they come back in with this now i will yeah. say i went and i listened to this just by itself instead of following 
the song before just to see if I still like it as much. And uh-huh. I do. I do. Okay. <laughs> yeah. It's not just a placement of where it is compared to what was before. It's it's just a really good song. Um, and, and there's even one of those real simple little effective guitar solos in there. Yeah. Like that's that's what I'm saying. Like I know they can at least put that in there. I yeah, I agree. This one's fun. I like this one. Yeah. I was not expecting of Belle mm-hmm. Biv <laughs> No, uh, but it was good. Else. Yeah, which, you know, tells me they're not afraid to try. Yeah. They're not afraid to try something different, at least. So, um, okay, that's pretty much what that song is. Like, it's just beginning mm-hmm. to end. It's that. I don't recall any extra beeps or subway sounds or whatever. Um, it, really, it wasn't needed on this one. It's just, it's just a good song beginning to end. Okay, track 10. Two, the number two, Scared. You got to hold the bank. You got to play this game. Cause I'm not drowning no more. <laughs> so this is the only one that I found was actually had a, a co-writing credit. And it was uh, PJ Harding, which PJ Harding has done some other stuff, but not really a name, a, a well-known name. And so I thought it was strange that they put that it was co-written by PJ Harding. I don't, I don't know. I didn't know if Is you, Australian? If, I don't even remember. Um, I looked it up real quick, just looked it up enough to realize that he hadn't did, he hasn't done anything that I've really been familiar with. I didn't know if okay. you would know his name, but I thought it was interesting that, that the only, the only co-writing writing credit is to somebody who is really well known. Of course, everybody's got to get a credit somewhere to become well known. So, sure. you know, that, that has to happen. All right. This is a meshing together of piano, bass, and whistling. <laughs> this is yeah. a curveball. Yeah. Uh, it's a clapping song. This it sounds huh? like this sounds like when uh, Queen would write songs that were meant to be performed live for audience participation, but it's still good on its own. I feel like that's what this is, but more Britpop. Yeah, I, 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 I can agree with with all that. I hear all that in there. This is another one I like. Yeah, I like the verses more than the chorus. I feel like the chorus is just kind of a pretty straightforward alt rock kind of, you know, back into that Kings of Leon kind of vibe. But the verses are 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 grooving. I like what they did to his vocals in the verses. There's like a filter on his voice that kind of keeps it a little lower in the mix. And I think that it works well with kind of the creeping vibe of the music. Yeah, I like that one. That one's uh, another one that I, you know, especially again. So, you know, we came out of eight, we picked it back up with nine. We're still kind of grooving with 10. So I'm like, I'm I'm back into having a good time. So if a Britpop band wrote a Kings of Leon song that's meant to be performed live. Sure, why not? Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to <laughs> I'm trying to link it all together, but no, you know, this one was fun. I was here for it. It was a cool song. And you know, it definitely mixed it up with uh the clapping and whistling. Got my mm-hmm. attention for sure, but it didn't pull me out of it. You no. Know? And if the tambourine hasn't pulled me out yet, 
then <laughs> you know and normally you're right i hate a damn tambourine but you know it it worked in here i guess it's not because it was so forward in the mix yeah and you know i, I think it's when they put a tambourine like right up front you know like get the lead singer a tambourine no don't do it i will say that um the mixing and mastering on this album is solid because oh yeah, oh, yeah. it's Still sounds like you said that um, one of those songs previously, it sounds like it could fall apart at any minute. There are parts where the drum fill feels like just a half a measure too soon or too late, or the vocals aren't always in key, but they it's still mixed and mastered well to where it's, it's big and it's warm, but it still feels raw and, Right. That garage, they don't, they never lose that garage rock mentality in the mix. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think that's an important part to this because it really was not a sound that existed on them before. And I think I understand why the stuff before this didn't really grab any attention because this was such a big, you know, turn for them and it was such a bigger sound. And, you know, I feel like. He is singing with such force and ferocity on this. You expect him to trip over a chord and everything go wrong on stage. Yes. You know, for sure. But for sure. I mean, he's not going to see his pants are going to be a problem in seeing the chords because they're all really short. Understood that. Yeah. I don't, like, why, do, I don't, why do men wear capris now? I don't know, but he wears like leopard capris and, and whatnot. And it's just, it's really weird, but it works for him. You know, he's got a little mustache as well. Um, and there's there's some people that are mustache people and some people that are not mustache people. And you got to have the mustache gene. And he doesn't have it. But you know what? That's the look he picked. So, hey, more power to him. I, I can't pull off any of what you just described. So good no, for him. I can't do a mustache either. So, um, <laughs> all right. Track 11, Moonlighting. So, upon first listening to it, what did you hear in the verse? Is it was it the uh, verse? Of course, I don't know. I just wrote down the note of what I heard in the guitar um, that distracted me for the rest of the song. But I had to go back and listen to it. Like I had to concentrate on it. But what did you hear? Uh, well, okay. So when the song kicked off, I liked the riff at the yeah. top. Right. Uh, his voice is okay on this one. I don't love his tone, but I like his delivery and the rhythm of it. Um, I like his voice for about, I don't know, I would say three quarters of the song. There's like, there's a chunk where his voice just doesn't quite land for me. Uh huh. Um, and I felt like it was kind of in like the last part of the choruses. So I like the little musical breaks that are in the verses. And when the chorus kicks in, I really like the chord progression and kind of the vibe of it. But his voice, just again, like it's it's detrimental. Like it's it's not doing the chorus any favors. I I can't really put my finger on it. It's not that he's singing out a key, but he just sounds like he's singing a different song or something. I I, I don't know, but I do like the the music in there in there for sure. Do you know why you like the music on this one? Why? Because it's the same 
It's the same riff. It's what I like to call a riff off, not a rip off, a riff off. Ooh, I like that. I have a lot of those on in yeah. my repertoire. <laughs> of Another One Bites the Dust. Yeah, okay. Yep. And it distracted me from hearing the song. And so I had to go back and really concentrate and listen to it. And it's a it's a fine song. It's almost a disco disco rock kind of yeah. song and kind of got that vibe to it. It's almost a straightforward song, but then it's like, you know, just just a straightforward rock song. But then like right where it started to get too like, you know, simple it became another one, Bice of Dust or Disco. That's basically what I got out of it. This one's and fine it, to me. And I don't dislike this one. I don't think it adds anything um, yeah. except for uh, uh, somebody else's riff. And, and uh, this is another one that I kind of like because I do like it when they get into that disco dancey yeah. vibe. Um, I'll have to go back and listen to it with another one, Bice the Dust in mind. Because I honestly, until you said it, I wasn't hearing that really. So... It's, Which is strange because I do like Queen. I've yeah. I've listened to a lot of Queen over the years. So. I I love Queen. I have you know I, since I was a kid. I first saw uh, Wayne's World. <laughs> and sure, that'll yeah, do it to you. Actually, um, uh, Freddie Mercury requested to see the scene of the movie that he was asked to use the song or to use uh -huh. the song, and it was like one of the last things he saw before he died. And he said it was one of the best things he'd ever seen in his life. So that's know. that's cool. I like yeah. to hear that, but. No, love some queen. Have a whole life. It's a riff off. Yeah, it's one of those things. It's like, I really want to listen to another one by Sadus. We have queen at home. And then you yeah. put on the Polish club right. song. Right. Lighting. Right. <laughs> so this is one of those that the last 25 seconds of the song isn't needed because it goes into. Ooh, no. it, I think it was like a layered like uh, like subway station and then something else on top of it. I okay. couldn't really make it out. All right. So the chorus, like I said, in this one is okay. It's it, I like the music. But then at the very end, they add this like synth line kind of low in the mix that is like way off key with his vocal. And it sounds very unpleasant. Once he stops singing and it's just music there, instrumental at the end, it's not as bad. But then, yeah, then you've got the extra sound effects that go on for a good almost 20 seconds or something, I think. 25 seconds. Um, I, I looked at it last night. Yeah. All of that to me is is not needed. Like this could have been a real tight, short, just grooving song for two and a half minutes and just been done. Yeah. Then we're going to get to the end of the album. The album closer, track 12. I don't need this anymore. I don't how i would describe that song okay so this was one where i was all in on everything except for the chorus the chorus let me down i felt like from the first moment that it started it brought back the sound and the energy of the first half of the album i felt like it was a big song but then the chorus just was like it was like my heart sank it was like all my expectations dropped 
This isn't a highlight of the record. This is not a closer. This absolutely is not a closer. This is a great song to close a live set to because there is plenty of room to stretch things out, have a little live solo, you know, mix it up in it. And I think that's where the choruses happen because those choruses don't feel complete. I, um, it's funny that you say it kind of captures the energy of the first couple songs because I don't hear that. I don't feel that at all. This has a weird rhythm to it that like when it first kicks in, it always took me a minute to like lock into the, the groove. So it's you still only four- got three minutes and 13 seconds to like this song. Well, yeah, but it's it's four four, but it feels a little waltzy compared to anything else on the album. Okay. So it always the first couple measures, I'm like, where what are we doing? Once it kind of goes into the verse and stuff, I don't hate it. I get why they would go this route as a closer, but I would have much preferred really diving into those first couple songs, that vibe to end the record. Like I said before, they tend to have a good recognition of this is a really groovy part. Let's start the song and end the song with it or play it multiple times to really drive it home because it's such a good part of the song. But I guess they lack that with the actual tracking because it's like, okay, we hit them at the front and everybody liked that kind of stuff. So at the end, we're not going to do that. Like, well, see, I, I feel, don't I, I feel like this actually brought back the same energy, but it did not bring back the same delivery. And so, you know, it they had I trouble getting this one out. I think we're both kind of meh on this song, but almost for like opposite reasons. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. More or less. I didn't hate this one. I mean, this isn't a standout to me. And really, there's about I would say that this this album has about seven really good songs on it, like seven. Seven songs that I would go, okay, this one's a good one. This one's a good one. Yeah. I don't feel like this one is a bad one. And partly because I really like the song except for the course. But I yeah. do feel like I do think this was one that was written as a live song. And I'm almost wondering if this was one that was written and they, they got it together and they liked it. This one doesn't feel mixed the same to me. And so I think yeah. it's almost like they got a little adventurous one night when everybody was gone from the studio and they're like, we're just going to do this one ourselves. And they, you know, they, they got behind the control board and they started doing their thing. And they were so proud of the outcome. They said, all right, this one's going to stay. I think now that you're saying that, and I'm thinking back to the actual tone and mixing of the song, I think that might have been where I was struggling when it kicks in at the beginning as far as catching the rhythm because it sounds a little bit more muddled than a lot of the other songs. It's not because I'm a terrible musician and, you know, have a hard time counting drum beats. It's because they did something wrong. That's that's much more accurate. Yes. Whenever when in like when in doubt, always project blame. So we both agree that this is not a terrible song, but it's definitely not a closer, but it's not the mm. best song here. Yeah, it's just sort of meh. Just say oh, yes. Just give me a yes, okay? Yes, you're right. You are so right. I, I need, couldn't agree with you more. I need other people to learn that trick. Thank you. All right. Oh, so before we get into our final thoughts, what's cooking, Danger? What's the song on this album that really gets you flambeing? Hey, hey, good 
Just the right way. So I'm going to have to stick to Iguana or Clarity. Iguana or Clarity are, to me, are the two standout tracks here. What about you? I would think Clarity was the kind of song that you could like, that kind of boosts your confidence. Like you're, you're sauteing something real nice for the misses and you're feeling good about yourself. So you got Clarity kind of rolling in your head. I, I will <laughs> say, I will say that. This actually almost all the way through, except for the slowdown, is a really good cooking album. Okay. It just, it's got the type of, uh, just the type of drums that just give you enough of a steady beat to just stay with it. And sure. And I'm not going to tell you what song is good for cooking because I don't remember what song was playing when I was cooking. I just remember I was playing the album and it's not a super long album. And I usually, it takes me about an hour you know, 45 minutes to an hour to cook dinner. And so mm-hmm. I can usually just plow through an album within that time. Especially when it's 35 minutes or 32 minutes or whatever this is. Yeah. Yeah. I can't tell you it's hard to listen to a podcast while I'm cooking because you're trying to hear it and listen to what they're talking about and also trying to pay attention to what you're doing. So sure. Um, sure. All right, monster. What's new with you? So there's not a whole lot of in you new going on here, but the closest thing I would say is probably track one. We don't care. Because that opening riff now incubus has sort of been removed from the new metal conversation for several years now, Yeah, but it at least has a little bit of that kind of bouncy riff at the top of the song. I think that's probably about as new as it gets. There's a couple others open. Yeah. It's not down tuned. It's not got a rap beat necessarily, No, but it's closer than anything else you're going to get. Yeah. Later on. That's fair. (laughs) That's fair. So do you want to give us your uh, closing statements here? Yeah, sure. He could sing. You can't argue that at times I can feel the sweat and spit. It feels like they recorded this album so hard. I just wish they applied that same force to the full album. With that being said, 7 out of 12 isn't bad. Catchy riffs, even if one part is a riff of another great band. I was talking about my riff off. Okay, yeah, gotcha. Which is a, which is a term. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push that term. We're going to use that. Oh, as a guitar player, I love it. Okay, I, cool. <laughs> I am guilty of it, and I love it. Okay, so catchy riffs and great drumming is not a formula, but, but his voice Don't is a way edit. of lifting it and pushing the simple meshing of those two things. Pulling an influence from days of blues past, grunge, 80s R&B, and slapping in the face um, works here. The abstract sounds are not needed. No sugarcoating on that. Just leave them off. I gave this a seven. Okay, so this feels like 50% sleazy New York City dance rock, bands like Head Automatica, and 50% try-hard, wannabe emotional rock and roll like Kings of Leon. Sometimes these guys pull it off. Sometimes it sounds disjointed. But the singer's voice is where I struggle the most. I don't think he's a bad singer, but he's not the kind of vocalist I prefer. And I'm not exactly sure it fits a lot of the vibe on some of these songs. 
had these songs had more of a Jonas Brothers, Harry Styles pop vocal on top of them, I think I would have enjoyed this album a lot more. There are sections on this album where I find myself grooving along and having a real good time. And even if the entirety of a song doesn't work for me, there's usually enough going on to keep me interested into the song. However, the middle section of the album kind of loses me. But a couple of the last few songs bring me back in. From start to finish, I don't think this is a masterpiece, but overall, it's a very quality record. I think leaning harder into either direction would have given this a little more of a focused vibe and probably done them some good. My personal taste, I would have liked that to be more in the sleazy, dancey pop vibe, just with a little more tasteful vocal delivery. As it stands, not a bad listen, and I enjoyed more than I disliked. So one to ten, I'll go five and a half. Okay, 5.5 for you and 7 point or 7.07 7 even seven. for me. Yeah. Yeah, you just say 7. Yeah. Um <laughs> I sold over a word to try to recover it and it just didn't happen. So anyway, all right, gives us a 6.25 which actually ties it with Radiohead's OK Computer and actually puts it right below this Wildlife's Ever Blossom at 6.45. So, thank you all for listening. I do appreciate it. If you have an album that you'd like for us to talk about, please send us an email at dangerandsarge at gmail.com or reach out to us on one of our Facebook pages or the Breakdowns for Breakfast Facebook page. Monster, what album are we talking about next week? It's been far too long since I've subjected you to some new metal, so we are going to do Head P.E.'s album, Broke. Before we go, I would just like to give everybody a little piece of advice. Don't let anybody talk down to you because you are worth your wheat and gold.